So as we, uh, we come to this first Sunday of the new year, I'm going to ask you uh, to take the Bibles that are provided for you in the pew row there on page 980, and we're going to read together from the second chapter of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. In particular, we're going to read verses 12 through 18. So if you would, if you could turn there uh, in your Bibles or the device of your choice. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. If you are able, please stand with me as we read God's Word. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. On all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Hold and fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let us pray. Father God, it is indeed in, in your presence that we come this morning to worship you, Lord, to give you honor, to give you praise. For, Lord, indeed you are worthy. We thank you, Lord, that you are at work in your people right now, Lord. We pray, Lord, that the work of the ministry goes on and that we have been called to fulfill our position and what you have left for us to do to honor you, to work for you, to take on the task of building up the kingdom of God. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for these, your people. And we bless, ask, Lord, now that you bless uh, us as we go through this message so that, indeed, we would go out and be lights to a dying world. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at uh, this message this morning, taken from Philippians, the second cha uh, chapter, what I'd like to present to you this morning is what I call the Philippians 2 Workout Challenge. The Philippians 2 workout challenge. And I don't know about you, but the start of every new year is just a fresh time for me. It's an opportunity for me to kind of have like a reset, an opportunity to, to be about the business of working for our Lord in a fresh and new way. Now, I'm not going to talk much this morning about New Year's resolutions, right? Amen? Except for this one fact. We all know that New Year's resolutions are pretty much made to be broken. They're pretty much made to be broken. And, and many of us, uh, sometimes as we start the new year, one of those new commitments that we make is to get back into shape physically, right? 
And there are tons of programs out there that are available to do just that. Just a few of them. There's, a, there's one that's called the DDP Yoga Program. There's, there's even one called Insanity. Now, who would sign up for that? There, there's the P970X Program. There's even one that's called Turbo Fire. Now, folks, if there's any program that's associated with fire, I advise you not to sign up for that. <laughs> there's even one that's called the U.S. Military Work Force, Workforce Workout. And that should be able to get us all into shape. And then as Pastor Sam said just a few seconds ago to our men in particular, starting next Sunday, there's going to be next Saturday morning at 6.30, there's going to be the men in the gym. So men, come on out. We've got a workout program for you. Okay, enough about resolutions and workout programs, especially workout programs that just don't deliver. But this morning, I want to talk about a workout challenge that has eternal benefits for us. The Philippians 2 workout challenge. We've just read Paul's writing to the church in Philippians chapter 2. Let me go back and pick up verse 12 again. Here's what Paul says in verse 12 again. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have also always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I trust that you hear the divine imperative that's contained in that scripture. Work out your own soul salvation. The Apostle Paul leaves very little room for misunderstanding here. He wants every believer to understand that God has put a requirement on you concerning what your life's resolution should be. And this is not about the type of challenge that we get from any old workout program. This workout program is directly linked to a believer's salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, you go to the gym and there's there that old saying, work it out till you feel the burn. Work it out till you feel the burn. Well, I think it's more appropriate for the believer to say, work it out because you have avoided the burn. You have avoided the burn, the wrath of God through salvation. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have already signed up for the Philippians 2 workout challenge. And it's a challenge that you can't break and you can't opt out of it. It comes because our objective in life as a believer is to please our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Fear and trembling speak to intentionality. Fear has to do with reverence. We are working out before the Lord God of the universe. Can you imagine that? Working out before Lord God Almighty. 
Could you imagine working out before Michael Jordan and him inspecting your jump shot? How about this? What if you were putting together a wonderful meal and Julia Childs were your supervisor? How about this? What if you could have made that tackle that would have won the college football championship and your coach was Nick Saban? Okay, maybe that's a little bit too close to home. <laughs> now, now, look, I, I think any of these challenges could reduce any of us to trembling, to a shaking mess. Yet, Paul writes that when it comes to the Christian workout program, we do so because our personal trainer is the Lord Jesus Christ. We tremble because we want to get it right. Not because we serve a judgmental God who is just waiting to thump on us at our every mistake, but rather because we love Him. And it's our greatest desire to please Him and to do the very best in everything that we do. That's the essence of working out in fear and trembling, recognizing that God is watching our workout and having a desire to do the very best for him. Paul is very clear. There's a Philippians 2 workout challenge. That workout challenge is directly linked to what could be the, said to be the goal of our lives. Move over to chapter 3 of Philippians. Chapter 3 of Philippians. And in particular, at verse 12 through 14, listen to what Paul says. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is, is talking about the goal of every Christian life pressing forward towards the goal of the prize in Christ Jesus. Beloved, hear me this morning. God has placed a specific call on your life. Not a one of you who calls Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior can be rid of the fact that God has placed a call on your life. To be a believer in Christ it's to understand that you have been called into ministry work. Look at the life of Christ himself. Jesus gives evidence to this. You remember that scene in, in the book of Luke that's in chapter 2? Jesus, Jesus is just a young fellow. His parents had gone up to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. They had left. They were headed on their way back home. And they get a piece down the road from Jerusalem, and they look around, and guess what? Jesus is not with them. So they frantically go back to Jerusalem, and they look for him. They search for the, ch the child. They find him in the temple instructing the elders. 
And after confronting him and saying, Jesus, where have you been? He looks at them in a, in a verse that I'm sure we're all very familiar with, Luke uh, uh, 2.48. It says, and Jesus said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? That's the understanding of calling that Paul is talking about in Philippians 2 and 3 when we look at working out for our Lord. We are to work out for God as the pattern of our lives. And that's why verse 12 of chapter 3 is so encouraging. Let's look at that again. It says that God is not demanding perfection. What he's looking for is the direction of our lives. Are you making a steady upward progression in working out your soul's salvation? Paul says that Jesus Christ has made us his own. That speaks to the fact that we are not working out by ourselves. As believers of Jesus Christ, we belong to him. He has placed a call on our lives. And even now, Christ, seated at the right hand of, throne, of God in heaven, is still working out on our behalf. Our work is never done. Even when we get to heaven, the work won't be done. We'll talk about that a little more later. But look at verse 13 of chapter 3 of Philippians. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You know, 2017 is indeed behind us. And just maybe you experienced some great difficulties last year. Maybe not. But whatever, if anything is preventing you from planning on having a good workout in 2018, put it behind you. If the world has been against you, put it behind you. If the winds of evil have blown against you, put it behind you because you are in Christ Jesus. And because Christ has overcome the world and we are in him, we can be of good encouragement. And somebody ought to say amen. We are in Christ because he has overcome the world. So the reality is that as believers in Jesus Christ, to kick off this new year of 2018, let's talk a little bit about the Philippians 2 workout challenge. First of all, let me, let me talk about working it out means avoiding workout confusion. Working it out means avoiding workout confusion. There could be some confusion out there when we start a new workout program. And it's very important to avoid any confusion about why it is so important for a Christian to have a life of works. It is important for a Christian to have a life of works. And I need to make sure we understand why that is the case. Now, for most of you who 
We're here at West Park, the latter part of 2017. We spent a considerable amount of time talking and teaching about the Protestant Reformation. It was a 500-year anniversary, and we really looked at what that meant to why we are even here today. Uh, the defining issue of the Reformation was the emphasis that only by grace alone, through faith alone, is the believer justified before God. Works have nothing to do with it. And let me be clear. No amount of works could justify any of us before Almighty God. Yet here I am this morning preaching that a Christian's life must be full of works. That could sound a bit confusing, and I want to clear that up. The Bible is clear again. Let me be very clear. When it comes to salvation, works are not involved. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 2, passage that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, teaches that very clearly. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once walked in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's how we once were. But then here comes verse number 8 of Ephesians 2. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, in which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the heart of the gospel message. Dead means dead. Before we were born again, we were spiritually dead. Now, a work was required so that you may be saved, but it was not your work. It was the work of another. It was the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ gave his life so that we may have life. So this, the Philippians 2 workout challenge has nothing to do with working out your own salvation. You cannot earn your own salvation through your works. You just can't do that. Rather, the Philippians 2 workout challenge has everything to do with what occurs in the life of a believer following their salvation. So let me say, put it this way. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will exhibit works that give testimony to the fact that you are now spiritually alive and belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. 
if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will exhibit works that gives testimony to the fact that you are now spiritually alive and belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the pure fact of the matter. The Bible is very clear that a believer, a born-again believer in Jesus Christ has works. You are saved through faith alone, but not faith that is alone. This is clearly taught for us in the book of James. If you would turn over to that, it's just a few pages past Philippians. And in particular, turn to James chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 14 through 18 for us this morning. When it comes to a believer's life, and when it comes to a believer's faith, works are evident. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 reads, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Please underline that in your Bible. Verse 18 says, but someone will say, you will have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Do you see it? Verse 17, faith without works is dead. In the believer, God is at work to manifest the works of righteousness in the life of his children. Verse 18, Scripture demands that we demonstrate our faith through our works. Now, I need to talk a little bit about the nature of works. I don't want there to be any confusion about the nature of our works as well. Believers, you must have works, but it's not just any old kind of works. There's a certain quality and issue around the nature of our works. Here's the deal. Doing good and working out your soul salvation may not be the same thing. It could be, but not necessarily the same. Now, that sounds a little confusing as well, doesn't it? Well, here's what's going on. There are a lot of activities that are good, and I certainly think everyone should do good things whenever they have a chance. And this applies universally to all people, believers or not. Going to your place of employment is good. And I certainly encourage those who are able to do just that. Going to your job every morning is a good thing. Do it. But going to work may not necessarily qualify as fulfilling the call on working out your soul's salvation. It may, but it also may not. Feeding the hungry is good. And I certainly encourage people to do just that. Giving up your time to do church work is good. And we certainly encourage you to do that. But just because you feed the hungry or just because you give up your time 
to do church work does not necessarily qualify that as meeting the criteria for working out your soul's salvation. It may, but it may not. The key issue is this. Here's the defining issue. The issue is why. Why are you doing what you're doing? If it is not as a result of understanding that God has placed a calling on your life, then it may not qualify as criteria to satisfy the Philippians 2 workout challenge. I'm just so afraid this morning, many who are hearing this message are confused about what it means to perform work for the Lord that is acceptable to Him. Far too many Christians think that if they give a little here or do a little there, that they will meet the challenge of pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, so let me eliminate this confusion. Doing work for the Lord that qualifies for meeting the Philippians 2 workout challenge means that you must work with the right motivation. A God-honoring motivation clears up any confusion about why we work. God demands all of your life. As a believer, you are no longer your own. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 6.20. A hundred percent of who we are, a hundred percent of what we do, flows out of the fact that we belong to God and we should be thinking about the Philippians 2 workout challenge. If we don't, there's trouble on the horizon. And that's why Jesus taught very clear, clearly that the motivation behind why we work is as important as we do work. And why do I say that? Well, that's what Matthew chapter 7 teaches us. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus was instructing the disciples about the right motivation versus wrong motivation in regards to the eternal effectiveness of their works. Specifically, Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of God, of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your names and do mighty works in your names? And then listen at the horror of verse 23. 23 says, And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Did you catch what's going on? These are quote-unquote good people doing quote-unquote good things. But their motivation was all wrong. We have to avoid the confusion about that. We have to make sure that we understand that everything we do must flow out of a motivation of wanting to serve our Lord and Jesus Christ. It was that way from the very beginning. Even before sin entered into the world, when Adam was given the command to oversee the working of the earth, he did so out of a motivation to love and to serve God. That's Genesis 2.15. It even 
when paradise is restored and God has put in the new heaven and the new earth, we will continue to work with him and for him in a motivation that's based on loving our God. Revelation 22.3 says, I love the Young's literal translation. It says, and any curse there shall not be any more. And the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants will serve him. When you get to heaven, it's not about sitting at the feet of the angels and hearing the harps play and plucking the grapes out of the air. We're going to have work to do. We're going to have work to do for our Lord. We need to be not confused about why we work and the fact that we should work. Here's point number two, working it out, advancing workout coordination. Advancing workout coordination. You know, I'm not much of a dancer, but I do admire admire the fact that there's a coordinated flow to most workout programs to achieve the maximum benefit from a workout program. There's a lot of coordination that's involved. Now, part of that coordination has to do with the fact that God has ordained a role for each of you. And he's ordained the fact that each of you need to play that role to the best of your abilities. That's part of what this Philippians 2 workout challenge is all about. It's the fact that we each have an individual calling. You are to work out your own salvation. That means that every role is different, yet every role is important. And there must be excellent coordination. Every member of the body of Christ doing their unique role together for the kingdom. Now, when we talk about spiritual gifting, God has gifted each one of us individually. And he's gifted each one of us individually, meaning that each role that we have is important. The Bible is very clear. There are no big eyes and little U's, all right? There are no big eyes and little U's. Every role, every person in the body of Christ is important. That's the fundamental teaching of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It teaches about the fact that the body prospers or suffers based on how each role is doing. Every role is important. The head can't say to the toe that it's more important than the toe. Hey, when any part of your body suffers, the entire body suffers. If my toe hurts, my head hurts. If I hurt my finger, the rest of my body hurts as well. And look, if you don't believe that, meet me behind my car after service and I'll prove it to you. (laughs) If any part of us hurts, we all hurt. Every member of the body of Christ has a unique calling, and it's important that each one functions in their unique calling for the entire body to function properly. God has deemed it fit to give each one of us a unique workout profile. We each have a unique workout profile. 
1 Corinthians 12, 4, 7 says, Now there were a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appropriates to each one individually as he wills. There is no one in the church who's able to do what you have been called to do and do it as well as you have been called to do it. That's what Paul means by the fact that you have been individually gifted by the Spirit. And it is an affront to holy God for any born-again believer to not appreciate how special each one is in God's eyes. God has taken the time to equip you in a very special way. Each and every one of you special. God has ordained that. And that's just a wonderful blessing. And, and as pastors of your church, what are they, that's part of what we're about the business of doing, is understanding the specialness that's in each and every one of you. And then understanding in a coordinated fashion how that fits into working out what we need to do here at West Park for our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me put this question before you, something that I think we need to understand. When it comes to coordination, Paul points out the fact that it is clear who benefits from the use of our unique profile. Who benefits? It's the entire body. Our efforts are for the common good. That's what verse 7 says. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You are not given your unique work profile so that you may strut around showing off your physique. That would be sinning. Instead, you need to understand that you've been given to the church for the common good of all of its members. We are here to benefit one another. That's, that's how I see it. You know something? Every time I see the Lord bring a new member into our body, I just get excited. I get excited thinking about the fact that God has put that person here to bless me. Can I get an amen to the fact that you all are here to bless Pastor Al? Now, I know that sounds a little self-centered, but I pray that you're understanding the point I'm trying to make. As much as I see that the Lord has placed you here at West Park to bless me, I realize that I also have been placed here at West Park to bless you. The workout challenge I have is to work out my soul's salvation so that you may be blessed. I'm here to bless you. Now, can I get amen to that? All right. It's the focus, that's the focus of the Philippians 2 workout challenge. We are here to bless one another. So let me move on and, and to point three of this message concerning the Philippians 2 workout challenge. 
not only should we avoid any workout confusion, works are required, and your life should be full of good works. And not only should we advance a high level of workout coordination, we're not working so that you individually may be blessed. We're working that for the common good of the body. But we also, and here's the third point, we also need to achieve a high level of workout collaboration. Workout collaboration. Now, a few minutes ago, I talked about how important each individual is and how each workout profile is unique. But, but let me say this to you. Let me be very clear. That's where individualism ends and teamwork begins. That's where individualism ends and teamwork begins. In order for the Philippians to work out challenge to be achieved in the most effective manner possible, there has to be a very high level of collaboration. There are no long ranger Christians on solo missions to work out their own salvation. The body of Christ is called to be a collaborative organism. The body has been jointly fitted together to work and to serve together. At times, we may have a mission that we care about in a solo fashion. But at all times, all work is carried out in a unified manner to meet the common goal of pleasing God. There are two aspects of this collaboration that I wanted to bring to your attention. First of all this, as pastors, we recognize that one of our primary responsibilities is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's what Ephesians 4, 12 says. And as the people of God, we need to unite on this principle. Pastors are expected to do many things, and I understand that. But I also understand that God has clearly said that when it comes to working out God's will for the church, the work of the ministry falls to the members of the body. And as pastors, we are called to be about the business of equipping you for the work of the ministry. A major part of our time is spent thinking about how can we get this body of believers to work together in a collaborative manner. That's what collaboration is all about. We need to be deeply in prayer about the people of God and those people that God has placed here at West Park so that we can unite together collaboratively to achieve the work of the ministry. We ought to know who our people are, and then we need to put them to work. That requires a high level of willingness on each of your part to submit to the overall plan of collaboration that your pastors and leaders are putting together and spending a lot of time praying concerning. Here at West Park, we have um, a philosophy that we call the central ministry focus. Now, that shouldn't sound new to most of you. We call it C3, C3. And C3 is our central ministry focus. 
briefly C1 is the fact that every believer needs to be connected to Christ. In order to be in ministry, you have to be in Christ. You must be in Christ and have your life ordered around pleasing Him. That's what C1 means, connected to Christ. C2 is connected to community. If you are connected to Christ, then you should be connected to community. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Here at West Park, our two biggest uh, ways to connect to community are through ABFs, Adult Bible Fellowships, and our growth group. In 2018, we pray that each of you would take the challenge of either becoming part of a community called an ABF or becoming part of a growth group. Those are very important aspects of our central ministry focus. C1, connected to Christ. C2, connected to community. The third C, C3, is connected to cause. Connecting to cause is joining on, uh, joining in a collaborative effort with other believers here at West Park to carry out the mission of serving our Lord. We call it missional living. And it's the concept that every believer has been called into the ministry of building the kingdom of God. It's in the area of C3 that we build collaboration to accomplish the work of God. Now, in 2018, we're going to make a big push towards understanding even fuller the unique profiles that God has given to us here at West Park. Many of you are familiar with West Park Connections. West Park Connections is our web-based portal where we communicate information about the life of our church, but we also collect information. And inside of West Park Connections, there's an individual profile that's there for everyone that has a listing inside of that portal. I have a web shot site here that shows uh, basically what that looks like. And, oh, that's a great picture. <laughs> All right, so in, inside of West Park Connections, if you were to go to your individual page, you'll see a picture. First of all, I pray that each and every one of you have signed up to participate in our project on, the, on building our new directory. Uh, part of what we will get from the directory would be pictures to put inside of West Park Connections. So if you haven't done so, please sign up uh, for your picture to be taken. Even if you don't need to buy a thing and you will get a free directory, but we need you to take the time out of your busy schedule, collaborate with us, and please get that photo taken. Now, within West Park Connection, you can see there's a little tab that's called Info. And in that, inside of Info will be a collection of the spiritual profile, that personal profile that we're asking each one of you to complete for us. Please take a moment, go out to West Park Connections over the next three weeks or so, and give us as much information as possible so that we can fill that thing in completely. Following in another month or so, we're going to have another effort that we're going to launch to help those of you that would, uh, would like to give us information, but it may be a little confusing on how to do that. Now, and keep assured, all of the information that you share will be held confidential. But let me say this. What are we going to do with that information? Well, here's what we're going to do. 
You know, every time we're sitting back looking at these various activities that we're scheduling, we're always asking the question, who could be the best person to put into that position? And a lot of times what we'll end up doing is sending out a mass email to everyone saying, are you interested in volunteering? Wouldn't it be much, much more effective and efficient if we know what your interests are, we know what your profile is, and as a need comes up, we can simply take a look at your profile and match you up to the opportunities that we have. Your support in this, accomplishing this goal is very much needed and greatly appreciated. So that's it. That's the Philippians 2 workout challenge. We need to avoid any workout confusion. We need to achieve and advance a high level of workout coordination, and we need to achieve workout collaboration. You know, last Sunday, we were blessed that Jake Bishop uh, preached for us. As many of you know, Jake is up at Southern Seminary uh, working on his uh, Master's of Divinity degree. And Jake preached a wonderful message. The topic was secure in Christ. One of the many points that Jake pointed out that really stuck with me was this. Jake said that our affections determine our behavior. Our affections determine our behavior. You do what you love to do. As a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to love working out for him. The pattern of our lives should clearly demonstrate that we, lo we love and, and desire to work out for our, for our Savior. So go to West Park Connect and fill out that information. But more importantly, be available in 2018 as we go about the business of working out for our Lord. Let's pray.